0: 25 seconds left to play.
1: You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show.
0: I want winners. This crowd is alive. ready to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock, Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. H- oh, God, we love him.
2: <laughs> when we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. type. FF 372 Y sticks. Ooh.
1: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt.
0: Well, I'm going to go to college. I'll just play football.
3: Happy National Corn on the Cob Day, everybody. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team. Hey, Roger. In a couple of weeks, when we move time slots, mm-hmm. we'll be on during lunch from 12 to 2. Yeah, Chris is going to gain 500 pounds. We—he <laughs> to be eating lunch every day, isn't he? Yeah. We can, uh, we can eat corn on the cob during the show if we want to.
1: Can you get good fresh corn on the cob this time of the year? This time of year? You'd think it, they'd put it on a day around the general harvest time. So you yeah. actually it's just funny. a little
3: later, yeah. National Corn on the Cob Day ought to be just a little later. Maybe it's just maybe it originated south of here. Yeah, buddy, I like some corn on the cob now. There's a right way and a wrong way to eat it. Like I'd be embarrassed to eat a piece of corn on the cob and sit it back down on my plate the way some of these people do. Looks like a raccoon gnawed on it. It ought to be clean. Clean, I'm talking about. <laughs> you mean once you start, you don't stop. I don't stop. Well, even I'm, if it's the long ones. I'm just saying, they gnaw on it without any order. Oh, I see what you're saying. I eat it's it like, in rows. It's like a rat got to it the, exactly. Uh huh. I eat it in rows, and when I'm finished with that thing, it's clean as a whistle. <laughs> Probably the same with chicken wings. Pretty much. Yeah, you don't want to watch me eat chicken wings. You do not want to watch that.
1: The bones look like they've been parched out in the sun when you get done with it.
3: It is not a spectator sport. <laughs> <laughs> All right, staying connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired, reminding you they can fix your phone. Is your phone a little banged up around the edges? You drop it, kick it, step on it, drown it. Let me Let me rephrase that. Drown it. Did you? Take it to C Spire. Locations from Brandon to Tupelo, all points in between, a whole bunch of them. You just walk in, hand them your phone, any phone, any carrier, and they can fix it for you, and most times can fix it for you while you wait. Play me that sound clip you were playing there a minute ago, Roger, during the open.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, the the excited person? The excited Alabama fan. Thought <laughs> add a little something to your intro there. I love that so much. <laughs> he's enthusiastic. We love him. How's <laughs> that line in the campaign? Will Ferrell's character, he's campaigning and he looks that. Uh, You've got a lot of energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> a little ball of energy. We're out here. Mass communicating. We're one
4: at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, yes. That's a powerful new force. Mm-hmm. Shake a leg, Junior.
3: <laughs> shake a leg, Junior. All right. Let's shake a leg here. You can uh, call me on the Divinity phone, Davini Equipment, Madison and Jackson. 995-1059. 995-1059. <clears throat> Give me a shout. 601. You can also text the show many have. Got to get to all your texts over here. Jr. Scott, Pat, the mailman, Bulldog Blitz, a few unnamed texters, a whole bunch of you. Here you come. 885-ESPN. That's the text number, 885-ESPN, or eight eight five three seven seven six. 3776 Unnamed texter says, Coaches do matter greatly. Before Vince Lombardi got to Green Bay, they won one game. His first year, 1959 season, they went 7-5. and five. The next year, they went to the title game and lost. Then in 61, they won the NFL title. All this with the same players as before he arrived in Packerland. Coaches do matter. They are leaders. Many talented teams never make it. It's true. And so it's not an exact science. And like I said earlier, I would not discount the importance of a coach. I'm not. But... Sports is more so about Jimmys and Joes than it is X's and O's. It's just the way it is. The way it is. And same players. Okay, but what we haven't gotten into is those players, many of them who won that NFL title for him in 1961, Vince Lombardi, many of those players, the best it's ever been. Right? How many Hall of Famers? So they had all this potential in the world, all this talent. They had the players to do it. They just needed somebody to steer the wheel. They didn't have the right driver before. That's what we've talked about. That's what we've talked about. Um, Update. I'm getting a message here that, indeed, Elijah McNamee does not have any eligibility left, and there is not a way for him to come back. That's what I'm being told at State. All right, Roger, did I hear the phone ring? Yeah, Jay from Baltimore. Jay in Baltimore. What's up, Jay?
4: Matt, how are you? Just hey, right. And my buddies back home listening to the show ask me why I'm going with Jay from Baltimore when everyone knows I'm from Clinton. <laughs> but I just explained to him that I'm just trying to provide the Matt Wyatt show with some street cred there you go. and establish it as uh, Pitbull says worldwide. So World worldwide, baby.
3: <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. <laughs>
0: But <laughs> my
4: question for you today, look, I caught a few weeks ago. We debated who should we start in the regional tournament. Mm. Uh I can tell you that Ethan Small is gonna see the bump on Sunday. I think we all know that. However, is there a reason to consider Peyton Plumley yes. in game two?
3: Absolutely I mean, he's there
4: established is established
3: himself. Hey, but I've got, got one for you, Jay. I got one for you. Yeah. All right, and, and feel free to we don't have to agree. My dad always says Hey, if you and I agree on everything, one of us isn't thinking. All right? So agreements are fun. I think I am doing an about-face. I've got a different set of logic than I had back in the regional deal. But I have more information now. And I think that there it's, it's within reason to at least discuss the idea that Peyton Plumlee might start on Sunday against Auburn. Now... <laughs> The, the reason I say it is, okay, the College World Series, in order to win it, is a much longer, more drawn-out process than, say, a regional is with three other teams there. This is with seven other teams. It's going to go for a good ten days if you win the whole thing. State's priority, as is the other teams, is to go win the whole thing. So, yeah, we could go, well... If you win against Auburn, you're going to match up with either Vandy or Louisville, probably Vandy. Small already mastered Vandy once. He held him to one run back over in the uh, SEC tournament. Here's one thing to consider, though. Here's something just, just to consider. Peyton Plumlee threw on Sunday this past week, very good, and did not pitch against Auburn in the regular season series the only time they played each other. He just about is the only pitcher on the staff who Auburn has not seen a pitch from, because when they played back in March, uh, that the second game state won like 15 to 2, and then the third game was 20 to 15. So everybody in a ballpark pitched except for Peyton Plumley. And I don't know. I just think that there might be something you could stare at the wall a little bit and think about it and just say, well, you know, maybe there's something to the idea that this is somebody new. They they saw a bunch of pitches, I know it's been a couple months back, but they did see a bunch of pitches in a game that, frankly, Auburn won, ultimately, against Ethan Small and State, but they've never seen the ball come out of Peyton Plumlee's hands, and he's a Sunday guy. So I don't know, I just thought I would throw that out there.
4: No, it's certainly a gamble. I don't think it's one that Lamontis is going to take. Yeah, um, I think there's just too much risk. And you really did talk a lot about getting into that winner's bracket. Yeah. how critical mm-hmm. it is, and
3: it is yeah. never
4: more so. And I think my biggest argument against that is this is probably not the same Auburn team we've seen. We saw earlier in the mm-hmm. year.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And you know, I, I what I can't figure out right now. I got to learn a little bit more about them, but I'm not sure. Th- if they're healthier or not on the mound than they were back then. You know, because they've had so much in and out, and this guy missing a start, and this guy sitting for a week, and their pitching staff at Auburn, including their best guys. I I don't really know what their status is. I just know they have the best pitching coach in the country as their head coach, Butch Thompson, you know.
4: Yeah, that's true. Hey, I'll leave you with this last uh, question. I'll, I'll hang up and let you listen to it. But Ben McDonald on the show the other day, obviously he's a huge Jake Mangum fan, mm-hmm. and he talked about the possibility of seeing a Jake Mangum statue next to that one with uh, next out there with Raffi and and yep. Will. Yeah, uh, I think it's more of not if but when. Yep. Uh, what's your thoughts on that?
3: I absolutely agree, Jay. If, you know, if I close my eyes and from a creative standpoint, I think about it. I think out there in that plaza area where the big entrance is in right field. You know what I mean? Like you got that one main entrance out there in the right field corner. It's the Adgerson Plaza, the big circular thing. That's where I'm looking at putting a Jake Mangum statue. Not back there with Palmero and Clark at the, you know, behind the main entrance. I think that probably stays way the way it is. I think out there somewhere on that corner and in around near that Adgerson Plaza. Uh, is probably where you put the Jake Mangum statue. And as to what it would be, I mean, it's got to be one of those where he's fully extended looking down at the barrel as it makes contact with a baseball. I mean, that portion of his swing, I think, is probably the most iconic. That's what I think. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate your call. Jay in Baltimore. Great thoughts. I'm enjoying getting those phone calls. He's in Baltimore, but he's originally from Clinton. He's an arrow. Arrows, according to Bobby Hall. Yeah, J.R. McNamee apparently is used up. This is his fourth year of eligibility that he is using, so there, there will not be another year. I'm on the text line now. Scott texts the show and says, this is my opinion, both Mississippi State and Ole Miss have really good players. The only big difference between the two is the pitching State as a bullpen where some of them could be a starter. Ole Mrs. bullpen is weak. To me, that's the difference. You know, these two teams, it probably is the, the very definitive difference, right? I mean, Nikhazy could he may go on and become a first-rounder. But he's not there yet. And, I mean, Ethan Small's there now. JT Ginn, you know, has been. And it's pitched like the first rounder and then your other starter peyton plumley has come on at the end of the year and people can't hit him he just went out there and two hit stanford you know because the ball moves all over the place and he's controlling it and he's older and he's just cool and calm let me let you hear a little bit of that i'm going to get to some of the text after it we'll start it off there we're not going to listen to the whole thing uh here's a portion of the post game the other night Lamonis and some of the players after they won
2: First of all, I want to congratulate Stanford on a great year. Just, um, man, what a what a great opponent and um, classy program. Just I've known Dave for a while and to, to watch them go about their business and how they did it, especially last night with our situation. Um, just, man, what a great program and a great year they had. Um, unbelievable night. <clears throat> I just I keep thinking that hey we've had our great best night in our ballpark and it just keeps getting louder and louder our fans are unbelievable and then our ball club man we just it was a typical Mississippi State game we just grinded it out and um, some great plays by these guys up here I thought we got a great start by Peyton Um, after the first better of the game. We were really good. Had to get that out of your system. I think we've had that two weeks in a row and then he just pitched phenomenal. Um, So fun to watch him come off the mound and our our fans, you know, support him and then um, just all day long. And then the ninth inning um, was pretty special to see our guys get congratulated as they finished up playing at the dude. We'll start with Steve in the middle with the questions for the student athletes. Peyton, uh, we talked about this last week, but uh, last year you had to envision all this What's the reality like now that you've been the winning pitcher in the game that sends your team to Omaha, Nebraska? Uh,
1: it's a feeling like no other. i tell you that. Uh, everything I did to get back to this point was for this moment and to get back to Omaha and <clears throat> give our fans a national championship, which is what we're looking to do, and, and for all that to actually happen to come into place that's so surreal. And, and I'm super thankful to be here, and I'm super thankful for the opportunity to play for this university.
4: We'll go back right to David.
2: Jake, what, what was that like in the ninth inning? You know, you start the rally with a single, Elijah cleans it up with a three-run homer. You know, last inning, last game, just like old times. I mean, what was that like?
1: Man, if you think I could put that into words, you're crazy. Uh, that that was, uh, man, you can't write it any better. I, uh, my first ever hit at Duty Noble was the same as my last, the six hole. Of course, it was the first pitch, too. Uh, The Mac, just, you know, all week, uh, Elijah McNamee doesn't get drafted. There's 1,200 picks in the draft, and he didn't get drafted. It's a joke. And all week, he said, God's got him. He's going to, you know, stay with God, and good things will happen. And he's got him. That was, uh, that was, that whole inning was God, man. It was, um, you know, it was really, really cool, and just magical. You know, it was magic.
3: We'll go to Ben. From- all right, so we'll get some more of that later. Um, back over to the text. Of course, you can call, too, on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. Pat says, I think Ole Miss fans would have felt better losing in the regional than getting one game away from Omaha and losing like they did. They're taking it tough. Well, anybody would. You know, it is tough. Just season comes to an end. It's tough. Mailman in Jackson says, you say everything's relative in Arkansas. That's very true because they're all relatives. But it's funny though. It's funny. <clears throat> uh, here's a text, Matt. Do you think Ole Miss fans are more frustrated with Bianco due to the due to relative success of MSU? If MSU was having bad years, would the Ole Miss fans be less critical of their team? Yes, is the answer. Without question, it doesn't matter whether someone admits it or not, says it or agrees with you. I'm telling you, the fact is that is true. In these Southeastern Conference states where you have two teams and they butt heads with each other all the time, and I'm sorry, Tennessee, it doesn't count. Because <laughs> we look at it from a football perspective, and it just is not that, you know, I know Vandy's beating Tennessee some. But in Alabama and Mississippi, you have Alabama-Auburn over there, you got State-Ole Miss over here, yeah, there's this constant looking over there, the other side of the neighborhood. What are they doing? In a lot of ways, it's good. Facilities improvements. You let one do something with a facility, and play, and and the other ones, they're playing hopscotch. Here goes one, not long far behind. Here comes the other, and it's good. That competition can. Can't help. Uh, Otis says, corn on the cob will be ready to harvest in central Mississippi in two weeks. I'll tell you this. Where was I yesterday that I noticed? I'm trying to think where I was. Doggone. Part of my trip. I know where it was. It was down there around Macon. I guess it would maybe even be south of Macon on 45. Huge cornfields that are just beautiful. But you're right. They look a little bit farther away. We're not quite there yet, but man, they look good right now. All right, here's a question on the text line. Is Chris Brooks' show changing time slots? Yeah, you might have missed it. We're going to continue to make sure everybody's aware over the next couple of weeks. But uh on this show, uh, in the middle of the days, on 105.9 The Zone, WRKS, in Jackson, Central Mississippi, surrounding areas, I specify because... On my show, I have some other stations who carry this show uh, later in the day. It's not going to affect anybody who listens on WVBG in Vicksburg or anyone who listens on WBLE in Batesville. Uh, But for live listeners in the middle of the day in Jackson on The Zone, there will be a change in a couple of weeks. The Gridiron with Chris Brooks and this show, the Matt Wyatt show, we're swapping. We're doing a little switcheroo, swapping time slots. He's moving up to this slot. I'll be moving back to 12 to 2 p.m. So you still get us, just at different times. Uh, Tommy T. on the text line. Lots of T's and alliteration. Tommy T. texted and said, Matt, I'm 100% agreeing with you. I just had this talk with someone. Plumlee should get the start against Auburn, is what he's saying on Sunday night. Another possibility. On the gridiron, I'm sorry, gridiron. On the Dogpile podcast that Brett Hudson and I do, we posted a new one this morning. Check my Twitter feed. I'm Radio Wyatt. There's links right there. Go subscribe if you haven't. Dogpile podcast. Brett and I discussed it, and one possibility that he raises is JT Ginn. JT Ginn has a possibility that you might run him out there on Sunday with all this rest. He didn't pitch in the Super Regional, and if he's ready to go, he might be someone that could run out there in Game 1. And then Ethan Small pitches in Game 2. On the idea that, hey, Peyton Plumlee didn't pitch against Auburn, they hadn't seen him and all this, which would push Ethan Small back. If you if you pitch somebody else in game one, Ethan Small goes in the next game. If you can win, you're probably going to play Vandy. You know, you got to play Louisville, anything can happen. But if it were to be a round two matchup with Vanderbilt, Richard text, uh, tweeted me and said that Vandy hasn't seen Plumlee. But they've seen a lot of Ethan Small, and that's true. Recently, they had to face Ethan Small in the SEC tournament, and Small held them to one run. And then Richard followed up on my Twitter feed and said the Mangum statue should be the breaking the record hit on his knee. He was down on one knee when he hit it with a bat, you know, swinging and looking up in the air. I don't know. Maybe? But it's so unconventional. I want his normal stroke when he's hitting that Hot shot oppo through the six hole as a left-handed hitter. That's the other thing, too. He's a switch hitter. How you put a... Is it going to be a left-handed or a right-handed statue? <laughs> Which should it be? Both? <laughs> we'll figure it out, and then we'll give them our suggestion. I'm sure they'll listen to us. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around.
0: You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
3: Back on the show. How about this text to the text line 885 ESPN? How about this? Whoa. Pump the brakes on the statue. MSU's had a lot of great players. I realize he's the career hits record holder and had a fantastic personality that meshes well with fans. But there have been a few guys that hit as well. Just didn't beat out as many infield hits. Don't take that wrong. Jake is one of my favorites. That is a text from Bulldog Blitz. What do y'all think? I didn't realize that whether or not Jake Mangum would get a statue was uh, something that we had agreement-disagreement on. I didn't realize
1: that. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast.
3: I mean, Bulldog Blitz, here's the thing. Okay, not only is he the... Uh, Let's look at it this way. You say, okay, other players. Let's look at a couple things you say. There have been a few other guys that hit as well. Are you saying that hit as well as he did? Cuz here's what I would say. Have there been have there been any players in Mississippi State history to play in three College World Series? Y'all, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't think there are any players who played in three different College World Series. But I know there are other players who've played in two. You know, in the 90s, they had back-to-back trips, 97, 98. Like a Brad Freeman and some of those guys played in back-to-back College World Series. So, so Jake, in terms of a player on teams, is at least equal to the other guys in program history having played in two College World Series. Have there been any other players outside of these years and his teammates who've played in two College World Series and four Super Regionals. Would Jake Mangum and his teammates be the only ones who've played not only in two College World Series, but in a stretch of four straight Super Regionals? See, I think so. Here's the other thing. Not only is Jake Mangum the all-time hits leader in the Southeastern Conference. You know, he's moved it on out there so far that it it's nobody's going to catch it in our lifetime. Okay, you you witnessed the unicorn. But not only has he done that, he's done something that no other Mississippi State player has ever done. And that is have two seasons with a hundred or more hits. He's the only guy that's ever done it in a Bulldog uniform. He had a hundred hits. Was it last year? And he had a hundred hits and counting this year. Nobody else has ever done that. So see what happens on the all-time SEC hits thing. A lot of people go, yeah, but he played four years. There's some great hitters who only played three that if they would played four, they would have broken the record or set the record. Well, I'm sure that's true. But what about two years where you had over 100 hits in a single season? How many of those? How many of those guys that we say, well, if if Chris Burke had played four years, he'd have broken the record. Well, how many years in Chris Burke's career did he have where he had 100 hits in a season? Well, Jake's had two. It's never been done before at State. So we can't really say that somebody at Mississippi State has ever hit like Jake Mangum has. No, they haven't. I mean, there's one example of why. And yeah, then there's the whole not as measurable, but I think just as important. He's just a transcendent type of leader. And just this... I Look, I I mean, the face of a program that... I mean, he's been a part of elevating it beyond what it already was. So... I think he's in the statue realm myself. Put him up. Let the people, when we're dead and gone, let them figure out where they're, they're going to put more statues. <laughs> Let's put them up. That's what I say. He's deserving put up the dang statues. He deserving, yeah. So in regards to pitching in the regional, the text line says, you must win game one. Ethan is the best ace in the country. He's get the ball first. The way they play the World Series, you probably get them to come back, win game four. And I think you're probably, you know, you're looking at it. We were just throwing out some other options out there for conversation's sake. That's all. And a lot of it's because you go, look, if you win and you wind up playing Vanderbilt in round two or the next game, Vanny's the most talented team there. Stop arguing with me about it. They have more players drafted than anybody. You might need somebody like Ethan Small on the mound if you're going to beat Vandy. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's just conversation, okay? Let's see what happens. Um, In a little bit, I'll give you a little more of the press conference. Some people seem to like that. I got a text or two here. In regards to the importance of coaches, again, I want to say that I was not I didn't, and I made it very clear that I was never saying that coaches aren't important. They are, and they do make a difference. But the number one priority is you better get the best players. Jimmys and Joes. Again, throwing out examples. Boy, Kevin Sumlin was a great coach until Johnny Manziel left. Boy, Dan Reeves was a great coach for the Broncos when he had John Elway. Well, Nick Saban, in the years he's coached teams when he didn't have all the best players, is pretty average. And so the example of Vince Lombardi, well, he had the best players. And the text said his first year, the 59 season, they went 7-5. and five. The year before, they won one game. Then he gets them to 7-5. to five. The next year, they go to the title game and lose. Then they come back in 61 and they won the NFL title. Bunch of Hall of Famers. Bunch of great players. They had them. They just needed a bus driver. <laughs> he get them all whipped up into shape. There's no question that leadership and organization makes a huge difference. The follow-up text, all right, now I'm coming to the phone, was that most Hall of Famers come from winning teams. Individuals get awards and recognition when their teams win. Of course, there are exceptions like Dick Butkus, Gale Sayers, etc. And it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's true. They get recognition when they win games. So... You know, just saying Hall of Famer. But there's no question, they had great players on that Packers team. There's no question. Give him other teams and other players. Does he win all those Super Bowls? No. All right. DeVinny Equipment phone. Devinny Equipment, Madison and Jackson. Who do I have, Roger?
1: Uh, Hang on a second.
3: We got somebody hanging on. I thought I heard the phone ringing. It may have just been in my imagination. It was just my imagination. Sorry. I had it to. Was,
1: it was Joy. I was I was I was busy looking at the Omaha Savings Pack cuz I sent you information about like all these <laughs> oh, coupons and stuff.
3: Yeah. Coupons for Omaha?
1: Oh yeah, the attraction guides and all that stuff.
3: Very cool. I'm going to look at that. Did you email it to me?
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm going to we'll look at
3: that right now. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Like when you go out of town, where to go to get deals. I love it. But Joey on the line. Okay, so Joey, I'll come right back to you. The music started. Uh, We'll be out of time if we talk to you now. So just hang on or call me right back and we'll come to you, Joey. Thanks. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around.
1: Here is failure to communicate.
4: You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
3: All right, Rogers. Joey still hanging on? Oh yeah. All right, so hang on through the entire break. That's great. On the Davini Equipment phone line, nine nine five one zero five nine. Joey, thanks for hanging on. What's up, Joey?
0: Hey, man. Uh, I'm I'm the most real Packer fan in this state. Um, you know, and and of course I don't go back to the '60s because I wasn't born yet. I got you. But I have been a Packer fan ever since I was a small child when they were terrible. Mm -hmm. Vince Lombardi made more money as a motivational speaker as he did a head football coach. (laughs) So what you're saying is spot on. Yeah, He got with those guys. Maybe he knew the right things to say to get them to play at that level. Mm
3: -hmm. Well... Now
4: You know, if, let's see. Now, like,
0: however, if you're saying Vanderbilt's the most talented team in Omaha, mm-hmm. Kyle Peterson said it's Mississippi State.
3: I I don't think you can go wrong arguing either one. I just was looking at the fact that, you know, Vanderbilt's well, got – I
0: mean, Matt, you're a super smart guy. That's obvious. With the success <laughs> you had with that face, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can I, agree. <laughs> but we know you're super smart. But if Kyle Peterson stops learning about bait, yeah, he's going out to outdo
3: you. Yeah, that's right. You're you're right about that. You're right. I mean, I'm just looking at it, going, okay. Vandy had the most players drafted of any team in the country. We know that they have fewer scholarship limits than anybody in the country because of this needs-based scholarship thing they have going on. They give out more money in Scholarships to players and anybody have had no trouble getting first rounders to come there, including Kumar Rocker, who threw the 19 strikeout no hitter the other night. They got the leading home run hitter in the country. Austin Martin, also a first rounder, right? Like, I mean,
0: but home runs don't win baseball games, Matt. You know what wins baseball games? Doubles. Yeah. Well, home Doubles runs can, can help. win way more baseball games than home runs. Well, maybe they do. I think Vanderbilt just sits in a prettier position because. Um, I don't know. Are are they like? Aren't they the only East team that they even are. really made a run? Yeah, they Did, are. in Georgia get beat out of their own building.
3: Well, and they didn't just get beat. And they and got Florida killed is, by Florida you know, State. Still
0: counting equipment to, that way they can pretend baseball is still going on.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, and and outside of that, who was any good? Tennessee fell apart. Yeah, they they started out hot. Fell apart. We don't know where they went. I think they're in Kentucky. Well, and here's the thing about it, though, Joey. Look,
3: it's you know, if we say, if we say Vanderbilt and Mississippi State are the two most talented teams, nobody argues that. So then to go, well, which one is the most talented? Anybody could argue for either one. I could argue for either one. That's that's all I'm saying. I
0: would argue for Mississippi State, and and this is where I would come in, just ready to stand up and argue for him, if I hear one more time that middle infield is suspect, mm. I'm going to go stand on the stack, man, and just, just I might, I might jump. <laughs> I mean, Don't do it, on. Joey, don't jump, but, man. When do you lift that <laughs> off of them? Have you seen the play? Suspect infields on highlight reels? I'm confused, man. Yeah.
3: I tell you what. Can you clear uh, that up, foscu and Westberg made some great plays, diving stops this Amazing past weekend. Amazing
0: plays, and mm-hmm. in the first of the year, that was the number one thing I pointed out. I said, if this team's got a weak spot, if this thing's going to cost them a game somewhere where it matters a lot, it's going to be right there in in those spots. Yeah. You know, I was the biggest sayer of that. It's just not true anymore, and and it's got to be lifted. You know, it's really, really got to be lit.
3: Joey, I appreciate your call. Thanks for hanging on, man. Call me anytime. I like hearing from Joey. Roger. Roger. Yeah. You sent me a list, right? Let me see here. I'm going to pull it up right now. You sent me a list of deals for people in Omaha.
1: All right, I'm looking at it. There it is. Boom. Visit Omaha. We've shared it on our Facebook and Twitter feed as well. Okay. So, The Zone 1059. So you can it nine. with your massive following. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll look for it. So, y'all are uh, on Twitter. It's The Zone 1059. Exactly. At The Zone 1059. I'll retweet that. But there's two things here Omaha Savings Pack and then Omaha Craft Brew
1: Savings Pack. Yeah, you could get beer for a penny. What? I don't know if they. I don't know how wise that was to send that to our audience. <laughs> <laughs> you got pizza. You got uh,
3: museums in Omaha, nice gardens, suit. a safari park. Yeah. You got a children's museum, a zoo, and aquarium, and all this kind of stuff. You can save. So y'all check it out, and I'll retweet the link. That's really neat. That's yeah, you really. You get away neat.
1: from the park every once in a while.
3: Yeah. You know, Roger, I am not a big consumer of alcohol. It's just not my thing. But because of uh, the video production work over the last week, month, whatever, with the folks from Eat Y'all, we were in North Carolina. Part of the thing up there, it was all dairy farm related, but part of it kind of just for fun, uh, went and took a tour of the new Belgian, New Belgium Brewery mm-hmm. there in Asheville, North Carolina. That was eye-opening. Um that operation, the scale of it, and all that kind of stuff. And then I guess it was last week I was up in Kentucky outside of Lexington. And we were doing a, a big, you know, um beef farm tour and stuff, but we also took a tour of Four Roses bourbon outside of Lexington the distillery there, the Four Roses Bourbons distillery. Yeah. And when we parked in the parking lot and I opened the door to get out of my car, the smell <laughs> from that distillery, it's like,
1: bam! It smell like the Out of Bounds studio?
3: <laughs> it kind of did. It kind of did. And you talk like about it. their coffee over there. Man, you, you talk about an unbelievable place. Well, when, I, when I say unbelievable, unbelievably beautiful, the setting. But also the scale of that operation. You go in there into that distillery, and these—it's like being in that movie "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." These massive, just larger than life barrels of <laughs> bourbon, I guess. And the smell—it's
1: like it's unbelievable.
3: Sure is. Anyway, all right. Yeah, because,
1: so we—Vicksburg we, over there. You're going to go to the uh, Cottonwood Public House.
3: Cottonwood Public House. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. They've got
1: their own brewery there and some good food. Yeah. And usually
3: some good music going on. Uh, before I completely run out of time here, on the text line, somebody says, Pitchers, wouldn't you want a small to go first so you could be ready the following weekend? And I would think that that's definitely a big part of it. And then uh, some more conversation on here about throwing uh, Plumley. A couple things on Jake's statue. Chad says Jake gets a statue. Anybody that doesn't think so, you got to question their mental facilities. Uh, And then the mailman says a statue of Jake with him back-to-back sharing the same uniform swinging from both sides would be cool. All right, who's on the phone, Roger? More Bully. More Bully. How about that? Every caller today except for Joey has used a different name. What's up, Bully?
0: What's up, man? Yo. Hey, I don't know if you have time to address this today, but I was just thinking, man, baseball people are a lot different, I think, than other sports fans because I really just think, We have a genuine love and appreciation for the game itself. I'm going to give you an example. Can you think of any other event uh, besides the College World Series and the Little League World Series where everybody involved is a volunteer?
3: Hmm. Everybody involved is a volunteer.
0: Yeah. Even the umpires. Well, the I know it's Little League, and I'm pretty sure it's Omaha.
3: Well, Omaha – no, I would think Omaha is going to – The
0: ushers and everybody else, I think.
3: Okay, the ushers. That might be true. Um, The umpires, I would think, are played. I mean, uh, I would think the umpires in Omaha are paid. But you're saying that the Little League World Series – Okay, I will. I will. I'll look that up. Yeah, let me
0: know.
3: I'm going to do that. Thanks brother. Yeah, thank you. And I never thought about that. The idea being that most everybody working the College World Series volunteers for it. Okay, so ushers, people doing the tickets, concessions. So so he's saying the idea is that they are volunteering. But umpires, I mean, for an NCAA championship, you're going to be paying those umpires something. Surely.
1: You know what? We didn't talk about at all. I'm not surprised, though. What's that? The NBA. Yeah. Kevin Durant had a very bad night last night.
3: Yeah. Blew his Achilles out, right?
1: Yeah, and then the crowd was cheering. It was kind of... Yeah.
3: I have... Look, you know,
1: there's just... I mean, his teammates were crying. It's interesting how these, these guys can be tough out there, but that bond that they have as a team.
3: Yeah. I can't get into the NBA. And I've tried it on the radio before, and it's like, you know, you can... You try it, and then you hear the crickets, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, there are some NBA fans in small pockets around here, and there's some people who, yeah, like that. You know, they enjoy it. This time of year, you get into the finals and stuff, but it's just so few. Yeah, you can't make a living talking to the NBA in this state. That's just all it is to it. Yeah, anybody who tells you that's on the way out the door. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this: I saw the re- Roger. Did you see the clip and the replay of him blowing at Achilles, where they caught it on camera? Like There's a camera right on his leg, and you could actually see it under the skin. Okay. Go. Bop. Did you see I, that?
1: No, I. But I felt it before. <laughs> I know. It, 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 and yeah, that thing pops up there like a balloon. Just, it was. The air went out of it.
3: Yes. It was kind of like it uh, feels like a
1: baseball bat hits you, and it sounds like a 22 rifle.
3: Yeah. Wow. Stick around. Oh,